This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome into the Illini Enquirer podcast. Jeremy Warner, Illini Enquirer publisher here with you and have a fun, good, and I think informative interview for you today with one of the most important members of the new Illini football staff for Brett Bielma, Illinois offensive coordinator, Tony Peterson. Tony Peterson is making his second appearance in the Big Ten after a pretty successful, um, especially when you look at Minnesota's record before and after Peterson arrived with Glenn Mason, but many bowl games and many really good offenses that Tony Peterson ran at Minnesota with Lawrence Maroney, Marion Barber III, and an efficient passing attack. Uh, Tony has moved on to different programs, including Marshall. When we get into uh, Tony's long storied history with Marshall, both as a player, a quarterback, leading them to new heights after the devastating plane crash two decades before he arrived at Marshall, coaching Randy Moss, coaching Chad Pennington, coaching Byron Leftwich, who had a pretty good week with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers calling their offenses. And we dive into that a little bit as well, because I think Byron runs a little bit of what Tony wants to run here at Illinois. Uh, but then ECU, he had you know really good passing offenses there. Uh, also had a really good rushing attack last year at Appalachian State. But he is taking over an offense for a defensive-minded coach in Brett Bielema and is back in the Big Ten, and it'll be very interesting to know what he will run. And, of course, he has ideas, and I think you'll hear some of those ideas of what he wants to run here at Illinois and how it is different uh, than what Rod Smith ran, the spread style. You'll see some of those elements, but I think you'll see a little bit more smash mouth kind of football that you saw a little bit about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers run in the Super Bowl. So we get into that. Like He's not going to reveal his entire offensive game plan, but I think you can take into our discussions about quarterbacks, about our discussions with tight ends, our discussions about offense in general, about what his foundation principles are. And he talks about those and why those are his principles and what he wants to bring to Illinois, but also the process of putting this all together with a coaching staff that he's never coached with any of these offensive coaches before. He's never coached with Brett Bielema before, um, but why he's excited about that as well. And putting this together with a roster that he's got to learn, uh, that he's got to see during spring ball, and then, of course, implementing what he learns from that into his offense. I just find it to be a very good uh, football conversation, dating back to the Marshall stories about how that program was revived and Tony was on the front seat and a big part of all of it uh, to his days in the Big Ten with Minnesota and now here at Illinois. I had a great time talking with Tony Peterson. I found him very insightful. So when we come back, you'll hear from the new Illinois offense coordinator, Tony Peterson, next. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. 
With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Tony, I appreciate you doing this, man. No problem. Well, uh, first of all, I got to ask you, uh, you watched one of your former <clears> players <throat> win a Super Bowl as a coach, Byron Leftwich. What was that like? Yeah, that was pretty awesome. I'm happy for Byron. I actually sent him – I haven't texted Byron in a long time. I sent him a text today, and he hit me back. I just said, I'm fired up for you. That's awesome. So uh, he he's a great guy, done a great job. You know, his, he's, a, he's a guy you hear his name popping around about maybe being a head coach down the road. So super fired up for him. And I know you just spent one season with him because um, Chad Pennington was your starter. But w- do you have any Byron <clears throat> stories you can share from a young man that, that now, as you said, is on the precipice of being a head coach probably? Oh, I mean, probably the, the biggest story on Byron that, that I've got is how we recruited him. Uh, our defensive coordinator, Kevin Kelly, brought me tape in on him and said, would you look at this kid? And I watched his film and I'm like, I mean, yeah, I mean, he's he got a big time arm. Uh, you know, I said, who's recruiting him? And he said, they said, nobody. He's out of D.C. I can't remember the high school. I want to say Dunbar or something. But anyways, I said, well, is there something wrong with him? I mean, is he is he can he not get in school or has he got some major issues or something? He said, no. And I said, yeah, I'll take him. I mean, so. I watched about 12 clips of him and, and approved him. And, and next thing you know, we had a guy that ended up being a seventh, seventh pick overall in the draft. I wanted to go back to Marshall, Tony, just because I know that place has got to have made such a big imprint on you, uh, both as a coach and as a player. <clears throat> um, but you went there after a great Juco career. Um, and kids nowadays might know Marshall from the, the movie and everything that happened after the plane crash, but you kind of were the start of that rise, right? Of, of them getting back to college football, uh, being the quarterback there. So what, what can you tell me about going to Marshall and, and having such success there at, at a program that had been you know so down just a decade ago? You know what? I took a trip out there after taking a trip to San Jose State and Kansas State. And even though they were one double A at the time, it just seemed right. It fit in for me. I liked the coaches, liked the the guys on the team and had a great weekend, ended up staying. Um, and it, it is a special place and it's a special place for me. Uh, I wasn't right at the beginning. They, the, like the, the two previous years, I think either the year before or the two years before was the first time they had had a winning season. You know, they went like six and five or something since 1970, which was the plane crash. Yeah. And then my senior year was the first time we made the playoffs and we ended up going all the way through and played in the national championship game. And we lost by a point like 43 to 42 or something like that. Um, so it, it was awesome. And then I got to come back in uh, 1991 as a uh, restricted earnings coach. And I ended up coaching there for eight years. And, and, you know, we went to five national championships. We won two of them. So that was kind of, I mean, it got rolling once it got rolling. 
what was that like for you to to be a part of that? That I mean, that that's got to be such a. I don't know if you appreciate it as you're going through it, but it's got to be such <clears> a fun <throat> rise. Um, you know, you're going from you coming in there, getting to a national championship game, then Randy Moss, Chad Pennington, Byron Leftwich. I mean, it was it, it was awesome. I mean, I had a great time. I had a great time there as a player. Uh, we got to we won a bunch of games, bunch of great guys, uh, and then coaching there for eight years. Just all the coaches and the players that I got to be around and not just the Randy Mosses and the Chad Penningtons, but just so many more, a lot of guys that played in the NFL, a lot of great players that didn't play in the NFL. Just, you know, I can't tell you all the great people I was around in eight years there. Yeah. Um, what was it like though, being able to have Randy Moss as a weapon in your offense? <laughs> oh, I mean, he was, he was a very special player. He had a unique uh, skill set with the speed and the length and, and just his, the way he could catch a football. I mean, he just body control, but it, it was awesome to watch him. I think his second year he broke uh, Jerry Rice's record. He had like 28 touchdowns that year. I mean, he was really impossible to cover even with two guys sometimes. So it was, it was a unique deal because he got to play for us the first year because it was one double a and you could transfer to one double a and be eligible. And then the next year we moved up our first year to division one. So he was there and, and, uh, I mean, he he was really a good player, and I and I'm super fired up for him. What he's doing right now, when I see him on TV every week, I mean, I'm just that, that's awesome. Yeah, I mean, how how did he grow when he was there? Because he was going through all that stuff, right? Oh, he had. I mean, Randy had his issues when yeah. he was coming out of high school, and and got through it, and got to Marshall, and I mean, we I didn't we didn't have any problems with Randy really. Uh, just trying to figure out different ways to get him the football, but. Uh, um, you know, just to see where he's went from there, from where he was as a person and, and now on TV. And I mean, he just, he does a great job. It's, it's awesome. And Chad obviously went on to have a good NFL career. Um, <clears throat> what made him such a, a good quarterback when most of us know, like it wasn't the arm strength, right? Like Byron, what made him so good? And, and what, what role do you think you played in, in helping develop him? Oh, I, I mean, Chad was, was very self-motivated he only weighed about 185 pounds when we got him. Um, he used to drink like these milkshakes with peanut butter and just whatever he could do to get <laughs> calories in his body. Cause he, he was just self-motivated. And I think when he got drafted, he weighed like 238. Um, wow. so he's a much bigger human being now, but Chad did whatever he had to do. I mean, basically if he thought it would make him better, he was very Tom Brady ish as far as I think his work ethic and what he did. And if he had to stay after and throw another 50 balls, he did it. If he needed to eat however much food he needed to eat, he did it. Whatever he had to do. But, you know, he had to win a little bit more with Byron with, with you know, throwing the ball on time and always making the right decisions because he, he didn't have the same God-given ability that Byron did in his right arm. Byron had a super special right arm. Now, Chad still had a strong arm. He had plenty of arm. But as NFL standards, he wasn't, he wasn't like an elite arm strength. You mentioned that at your position. Um, I, I think those intangible things, right, Tony? You've been around developing quarterbacks for so long. Why is it that position? Uh, how important is that compared to the physical? Well, I mean, you're the you're the leader out there. You're running the offense. You have to processing and making good decisions. I learned a long time ago from a guy named Glenn Mason, who was the head coach at Minnesota when I was there. He said the number one thing quarterbacks do is make good decisions, and that's part of taking care of the football and and I mean, you, you still got to have the arm strength. You got to have the talent. But if you don't have all the other stuff and all you have is arm, 
you could be a guy that has little to no success at the quarterback position. You got to be a leader. You got to be tough. The guy's got to believe in you. You got to process and make good decisions because you've got the ball in your hand literally every play out there. So, you know, there's so much that goes into good quarterback play other than just, you know, arm talent. And then on top of it, are you naturally accurate with the football? You know, some guys might not have the big arms, but they're very naturally accurate and they throw the ball on time and they can still function. So after a decade at Marshall as a coach, you go to Glenn Mason. And I talk with Glenn and he has nothing great things to say about you. Um, what was that like for you to to go somewhere else and go to the Big Ten stage and, and do it <clears> under <throat> a coach who's trying to build something uh, at a Minnesota program, which had struggled before he arrived? Well, I mean, I had a great career at Minnesota, eight years there. Mace was awesome. Uh, I learned so much from him uh, about football and 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 just all the stuff that he had, all of his experiences. Uh, but it, it was a great experience there. I mean, we, we, we had a lot of success for a Minnesota program that I don't think it went to a bowl in like 12 years. And I think we went like seven out of eight years. Uh, that's where my love for the big 10 uh, came into effect. You know, I just, I loved going on the road in the big 10 and all the stadiums and the places. I mean, it was just, I, I loved those eight years. And, I, and that's why I'm so excited to be back in the big 10. Yeah, is there is there anything you can take from that, even though it was now 14 years ago, Tony, um, from your success uh, in the conference or, or anything you learned under Glenn? I, I mean, you know, the big thing with, with Mace back then that I still think plays today, and even you watch the Super Bowl, you know, he, he always used to say on Thursdays, you, you've got to run the football, you've got to be able to stop the run, and quarterbacks have to make great decisions. And he used to tell that to the team for eight years straight on Thursday nights. And still to this day, if you can stop the run and if you can run the football and your quarterback's making great decisions, you win a lot of football games because, you know, we talk about it here a lot. You know, Coach, Coach B talks about it. M most football games are lost, not won. Mm -hmm. And what I learned there is don't lose football games and give yourself a chance and you end up winning a lot of games. You went under some some really good offensive coaches after that. Doc Holliday, Skip Holt, Scotty Montgomery, <coughs> all offensive minds that did different things right um is there anything like did you pick up certain thing from each of those guys during your time oh you know they all had i mean all head coaches you work for have their their things that you'll pick up a little bit sometimes you pick up some positive stuff sometimes you're like okay he does a few things that i don't know if i would i would do if i'm ever in that situation but they're all different but i've had some great head coaches i've worked for and I just can't tell you how fired up I am to be here and to be with with Brett, who's been a, a friend of mine for a long time, but always someone I admired. He does things the right way. He 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 respects the game, and and I'm super fired up to be here with him. Yeah, and he he comes from a defensive background, Tony. So I don't know if like is there a different approach uh, now that you're the OC under a defensive background coach? Like, do you have more say? So I don't I don't know. You know, I Brett's. He's especially the three years that he spent in the NFL. You can tell he's got a lot more thoughts in his head on, on things. And I, I'm excited to have a kind of a defensive minded head coach. I think it's, you know, the way that they look at it on the other side of the ball sometimes is unique. And I think it can help me even even I've been doing this for a long time. I still look to grow and learn from every day. So I'm fired up about it. I know all of us like in the media or fans want to know what offense are you running? Right, Tony. Um, but I'm more interested in like the process of how you build because Brett's kind of talked about, we want to run Illinois defense or we want to run Illinois offense. What do you like? What's the process right now of 
figuring out what you want to run or how you want to run it? Well, I mean, it is going to be Illinois' offense. It's And it's Brett's involved in it. I'm heavily involved in it. The guys on the offensive staff are involved in it. We're, we're spending time on it every day, kind of putting it together. And then it's going to evolve as we even get into spring ball because all of a sudden you go through spring ball and you're like, okay, this is my starting quarterback. This is what he's good at. This is what he's not. Then that offense has to start to evolve a little bit that way. Or I've got these special set of running backs, or I've got two special receivers, or all of a sudden you realize you have some super good tight ends. So who your personnel is, is always going to dictate on what you do on offense, but you've got a starting point on what we call formations and what we're you know going to call these motions and shifts and, and these specific routes and how we're going to call the runs. But as far as what it's going to be when we line up in that first game next, next year in the fall, a lot of that depends on who, who's playing certain positions on how much stuff we're going to do. But we're going to run the football and we're going to take care of the football. Yeah, and and I know Tony. Like you, at App State, you kind of went into a situation where it's like, hey, they're successful doing what they're doing. We're going to run that. So, did you have like an idea of what my offense looks like or what Illinois' offense looks like as, as you were, you know, going to the next stop or, or when you were talking to Brett about this job? Well, you know, some of the stuff we did at at, uh, at Minnesota, but we were under center a lot, was very similar to what we did at App State. Yeah. And a lot of the stuff at App State that we did, and we, we put our little tweak on it too this year, but is very similar to what I see happening here, you know, at Illinois. And, and you know, it's a solid run game, which puts pressure on, on the defense, and they've got to load the boxes which in turn, now you get the one-on-one matchups on the outside that you want. And if you've got a quarterback that can get it done, that's where you can have huge, huge pass plays, you know, big explosive plays in the passing game. So um, how it's going to unfold and with, with what we're going to do, depending on our players, I can't wait to see, but it all kind of is going to start in that, in that general facility. Brett's talked about these 6 a.m. to noon X's and O's meetings. What have those been like with, with the new staff and all your offensive staff? Well, we're in there. It's like we were just in there right now and I got the text to come see you and we're in there talking about a specific route and how we need to rule it up. And because I just left a place where the guys had all been in kind of a system for multiple years and now we're all coming in and we're five different guys from five different places and we got to sit there and, and rule everything up and make sure it all makes sense in the playbook exactly how we put it in there. And then once you get through this initial year of that, it makes it a lot easier. So you're spending a lot of time really on pages in the playbook that down the road, you might not really look at that much, but you got to make sure they're all ruled up and make sense. And if a player looks at it or a coach, it's all exactly the way it needs to be. Tony, correct me if I'm wrong, but I, I don't think any of the offensive assistants you've coached with before, right? So what, what's that like? I mean, you got to get to know them too, right? And, and, and teach them or kind of come together and figure out how you want to teach it. You do, but I tell you what, Coach Coach Bielema really did an unbelievable job, not only on our side of the ball, but on the defensive side in hiring. And he took his time, and I give him huge credit for what he did because he probably could have went faster and hired some other people, but he took his time. And I, I seriously believe we have a perfect staff. Everybody on our staff meshes well, gets along. We've all got our assets in, in different little areas. And it's just, it's a blast to come into work. And, and, and it crosses over with the defensive side that doesn't happen at a lot of places. Sometimes you don't have that, that crossover, that mesh, that camaraderie between the offense and defense. And this, this staff is a blast to come in every day, and I'm really looking forward to each and every day of work. 
how, have you been able to meet with your position guys yet? Uh, the quarterbacks, I, I know they were kind of uh, recruited for a different system. I mean, it could depend on what you run here, but what, what have those conversations been like with those guys? I've had a chance. Those guys have popped in here individually. You know, we're in a we're in a part of the season right now where Tank and the weight rooms got them for really the majority of the of the hours that were allotted. Um, so we've had a chance to have a couple offensive unit meetings for about 20 minutes, and then you know they've popped in here individually, and we've sat and talked about some stuff. But I think I got a good group of kids, and I, I told them it's going to be an open slate now. We're starting over. And we'll see what you got. And, and, you know, we got a bunch of them. I think I got five or six quarterbacks. So we'll get out there and see what we got and how it works in with the offense and then how we got to recruit for that position moving forward. What will be most important for you, whether it's getting it out of those guys or recruiting a position? What are you going to be looking for most, Tony? Well, it's and it's two totally different things. I'm going to try and get everything out of each guy in my quarterback room that I can. And that's no matter what. I mean, those are my guys. I love them. They're my family now. They're, they're my room. But on the flip side of that is I'm always recruiting and trying to make that room better. So I'm always trying to find somebody that's better than the guys that are in that room. I mean, that's my job. That's what, that's what we get paid for as coaches. So you're always out there in the road trying to find somebody that's a little bit bigger, faster, more accurate, throws the ball better, whatever you can do right there. And then the guys in your room, you're doing everything you can to coach them up and make them the best they can be. And I'm always, you know, uh, BP, this is his last year. He's had about 10 of them, I guess, in college, <laughs> right. it seems like. But this is his last year. And I told him, I said, my job is to try and help you have the best career, you best year you've ever had in your career. And all the way down to the younger guys, I'm trying to tell Isaiah, my job is to try and get you to have the best year you've ever had and be the starting quarterback. I'm telling all of them, you know, you. I'm trying to get all of you to be starting quarterback. But at the end of the day, I tell them, it's not me who decides who's going to be the starter. It's them. It's what they do out on the field. So when, when you went to Minnesota, I don't know if a guy like Isaiah Williams would have been in a quarterback room, Tony. Um, how, how much has that changed and has that changed for you as well, um, wh what you look for there? Well, it, it all depends on your system. And I think in our system, the number one thing we've got to have is a quarterback that makes good decisions and can accurately throw the football and get it in the hands of other people. And then anytime you can add the bonus of some athleticism and speed and, and something with their legs and carrying the ball, that's a bonus. And we're always trying to get that. Uh, but Isaiah, as good as he is at quarterback and throwing, in a lot of systems, he could be just as good at multiple positions. Yeah. He's a very talented young man. Yeah. And uh, I, I know you, you talked about 12 personnel the last time we talked, and I, I think you saw that on display yesterday with, with Tampa. Um, why, why is that position so important, that tight end position for you? Well, it's just a – it's sometimes you can – like you get in that game and you watch when Tom Brady gets under center in 12 personnel and hands the ball off on first and second down. You've eliminated a play that that quarterback really needs to go out there and make a serious decision in the play. It's almost like you give him – we call it kind of a vacation play for the quarterback. And you need to have some of that in football. Some of these offenses, these spread offenses, they're literally asking a quarterback to make major decisions with the football on every snap. And if you do too much of that, it's going to get you. And where it gets you is in the turnover category. So, you know, I loved it. You, you see him line up under center, two tight ends, boom, give the ball to the back. Next thing you know, it's second and four. Shoot, they do it again. Now it's first down. And, and you're also you're, – you're, you're getting the game over with. You know, you're getting the game over with. You're running the football a little bit. And then you get some of the big play actions where they got some of those pass plays to Gronk and, and the, 
you know, he was 21 for 28, I think, or something, and had three touchdown passes. Okay. On the other side of the ball, there was no touchdown passes and three interceptions. So, you know, I mean, that that's the game right there. But Mahomes threw the ball 50 times, but that doesn't necessarily win the football game. It was kind of like a win for, I don't know, I say old school football, but a little bit of smash mouth football, right? It was a little bit. It was a little old school Big Ten, you know, which you can still do nowadays. And not a there's so few people that are doing it that when you do it, I mean, people almost don't know how to play it sometimes. It's yeah. it's kind of it's kind of amazing. But yeah. we will always be an eleven and a twelve personnel team. How much twelve we do will always depend on our availability of of good tight ends. So you know, we're going to be recruiting that position hard too. Yeah. And, and wrapping up with you, Tony, I appreciate the time. I, I just uh, want to ask you, I know you've known Brett for so long. What's the first month or five weeks been like, you know, right next to him uh, is the offense coordinator. Well, I mean, he's awesome. He's Brett grinds. I mean, he grinds in everything he does. So we grind in here at work. I mean, we, we come early, we stay late, but we love it. And we're having a great time in here. And, and every day we're, we're constantly, we're recruiting, we're putting the playbook together. We're, we're spending time with our kids when we can watching them. I mean, it's just the day flies by and all of a sudden you've been here for 10 or 12 hours. And then now we got the zoom recruitings that we're doing with recruits and you know, it just, it's just constantly going right now, but it's been awesome. I mean, that's gotta be exciting, right? First year of a program, but especially here at the big 10, what's that like for you, Tony? Well, I'm just I'm happy to be back in the Big Ten. I love it. I always thought that that Illinois was a program that could have been kind of that sleeping giant. That was always my opinion when I was at Minnesota. And when I got here and I saw the facilities that 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 Josh and them put together and built here, I mean, that was the, the kind of to me the piece that was missing in recruiting here. And when you walk in this building now, you can recruit with anybody. And and you got a stadium right next door here that's got super old stories. I mean, it's a cool stadium. I mean, I always thought it was cool when we came here in Minnesota. So I'm just, I'm fired up to be here. I think it's a great university, great town, and uh, happy to be back in the Big Ten with somebody that I know is the right person for this job. Yeah, I don't think the the locker rooms weren't very good for opponents, though, from what I heard. Yeah, you know what? I almost can't remember. They they had to be better in Iowa's though. That's right. That's right. Everyone remembers Iowa's uh, lockers. Yeah, just because when you got pink lockers, that's pretty bad. Well, Tony, man, I can't thank you enough for the time. Appreciate the insight, man. No problem. Anytime. Great stuff from Tony Peterson. I think it's very interesting that it's kind of full circle. Like his Marshall days molded him into his coach, and one of the players he got there, Byron Leftwich. Ran an offense that won a Super Bowl, and I think Illinois' offense is going to have some similarities to that, which I think can work in the Big Ten. We'll see. He's got a lot of work to do. Obviously, that quarterback room, how he fits to them, and all the dual threats in that room after Brandon Peters. And yeah, I think Brandon Peters is likely your starter in 2021. We'll see what the competition brings. But uh, how he'll put together that quarterback room, how he'll put together this offense is going to be fascinating as we go into the spring, the summer, and of course, into his first fall season as Illinois offense coordinator. Hope you enjoyed that. Appreciate Tony Peterson for his time uh, and, and coming on the podcast to talk about his vision here at Illinois and a little bit about his background. As always, appreciate you visiting. Illini Inquirer got a lot of information up there now of, about Illinois football recruiting. We were able to talk with Pat Embleton, uh, director of recruiting here, and give us a little bit of his input, uh, not only uh, joining Brett Bielema's staff and what Brett Bielema will bring 
to Illinois, but also a little bit of Pat's background for people that don't know Pat. Um, you know, for us who cover the team, especially me who covers recruiting, kind of know what he does. Uh, but for a lot of Illini fans, he's kind of one of those guys who's behind the scenes. And Joey Wagner is going to have a really good piece on him. Of course, basketball, we do have a game. It's been announced. Illinois has a couple of makeup games here. Uh, they will play at Nebraska on Friday, 8 p.m. on Big Ten Network. That's a makeup game uh, that was originally scheduled on January 13th, but postponed due to COVID-19 issues for Nebraska. Uh, so they will have a game this week. They will not have to wait uh, that long uh, before playing Northwestern. So you have a winnable stretch of games here with Nebraska, Northwestern. You got Minnesota on the road, which is very difficult because they're very good at home. But then also you have a makeup game against Michigan State, uh, which is scheduled for February 23rd in East Lansing. And Illinois is going to move its game, uh, home game against Nebraska, to the final week of the season. I think because that game um, could possibly be dropped off the schedule if need be. But we are still awaiting word on Michigan because Michigan's women will play on Thursday after their pause, but their men will not. And I think the Big Ten and Michigan should answer questions about why that is happening. Because, yeah, I get, I get it for Michigan. You're number three in the country. You're fighting for a one seed in the Big Ten championship. And if Illinois did this, maybe Illinois fans wouldn't be all that upset. But it certainly looks like Michigan men's basketball is waiting longer so that they can be in top shape. Listen, I get it. This season is not ideal. Uh, but it certainly looks like they're they're skipping Illinois out a little bit here. If it were Nebraska on the schedule on Thursday, would they be playing? It's just leaving open questions, and it doesn't look good for for Michigan or the Big Ten, so I get it for Illini fans. All right, thank you for listening to the Illini Inquirer podcast. We'll have more on hoops later on in the week. We'll talk some football. Uh, I want to talk some recruiting here uh, later on in the week as well, especially with Illinois' big Midwest presence so far. So we'll get into that as well later this week on the podcast. Everybody have a great day. Take care of each other. We'll talk to you next time on the Illini Inquirer podcast. You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel, streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app.